Lord God, we pray that as we come before you, you would give us the desire and the ability to surrender to you our lives, our future, to your will. We love you, Lord, and we pray in your name. Amen. Please be seated. I want to start by um, apologizing if I end up clearing my throat a great deal. For whatever reason, this morning I got a little catch, and it doesn't seem to want to go away. And so Joe thought I was trying to interrupt him by clearing my throat. Uh, But I was really just clearing my throat. We're continuing our journey to learn more about prayer. That is, to sit at Jesus' feet and to hear from him how it is we might pray. How we connect to God in prayer. And so we continue this series of Lord's Teach Me to Pray, and we come to that third petition, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, there's something interesting when you look at the words of Jesus as taught to us by his followers. They don't always say the same thing. And so I wondered as I compared uh, Matthew and Luke Because Matthew says, your kingdom come, your will be done. But Luke says, he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, give us our daily bread. What's the difference? Luke does not include the words, thy will be done. Now, a couple of weeks ago, Joe was teaching on the Psalms, and you were talking about parallelism in the Psalms, and you made the mistake of having me sub for you on Wednesday morning. And so, you know, I started looking at that first Psalm and seeing the parallelism that was there and recognizing that especially in the Psalms, as the Psalm writers write, very often they say the same thing, that is, they repeat themselves with different words to drive that point home. And I want to suggest to you today, if you were not here last week, that you go back and listen to the sermon on thy kingdom come, because it indeed will give you significant insight for thy will be done. And in fact, I want to suggest to you that maybe this is one of those times when the thought is so important that it's said in two ways. Because in fact, to say to God, thy kingdom come, certainly includes the idea that his will be done. To suggest that the kingdom of God, the rule of God, is present in our lives, suggests there's no other question other than that would be the one whose will we follow. And one of the brilliant elements of the sermon last week was this understanding of the order of the cosmos. When you understand that the stars and and so forth, the sky, don't circle around us, but circle around the sun. And when you see the order coming to life 
and making significantly more sense when you understand the difference of what is at the center. What a brilliant way to understand also the will of God that perhaps our lives make much more sense when we're centered on the will of God rather than the fickleness of our own desires and the lack of alignment with our desires and what actually happens in our lives. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Again, I want to ask the question, what's the difference? What's the difference between what happens in heaven and what happens on earth? And why would we want what's happening in heaven to be that which happens on earth? Let me suggest the difference is sin and brokenness and evil. Let me suggest that when we're, when we're asking God for his will to be done here as it is in heaven, we're asking God to deal with, to, to not allow sin and evil and brokenness to interfere with our doing that which God would want us to do and with our world experiencing what God desires for us. Maybe the prayer could be interpreted this way. God, get my sin and brokenness out of the way of your doing your will in my life. Remove the interference. Remove the distraction. Later we're going to say, lead us not into temptation. That, that is, we, we recognize that there's interference on earth that there isn't in heaven. This interference of sin and brokenness and evil. And so we ask for God's will. I was telling Joe just a little while ago that it's been a battle, uh, the sermon uh, this week. It's been a battle because I so want to talk to you about God's will. But what I want to say to you is if I stick to the subject, which I'm going to drift, but I'm trying not to do it too much. If I stick to the subject, the subject is what are we being taught about prayer? And when Jesus teaches us to pray, thy will be done, he's not talking about the will of God. He's talking about our surrendering our will to his. He's talking about prayer being a, an acknowledgement of who God is and who we are and how we fit in with that. And when we come to God in prayer... We surrender to his will. Sometimes I would prefer the positive side of the Santa Claus God. That is, assuming I'm not going to get a piece of coal, I want God to give me what I want. But the truth is, we have a good God who does not give bad gifts to his children. The truth is, is we're much better off if God provides that which is in alignment with his will rather than ours. We're much better off if God in prayer, in that communication, in that abiding with God, shifts our desires to be in alignment with his 
so that when we ask for anything in his name, we receive it to his glory. Listen to how Luther in the small catechism came at this third petition of thy will be done. He asked, what does this mean? The good and gracious will of God is done indeed without our prayers. But we pray in this petition that it will also be done among us. Again, there's a clarity of thought that we don't control God. We don't get God to do what we want. But rather we acknowledge that we want what God wants to be done among us in our lives, in our church, in our faith community, among our friends and family. How is this done? This is what Luther says. God's will is done when he hinders and destroys every evil desire and purpose of the devil, the world, our sinful nature, that would keep us from hallowing his name and prevent the coming of his kingdom. When we're asking God for his will to be done and we're asking him to eliminate sin and brokenness which can interfere, we're asking him to change us, to cleanse us, to not allow us to get in the way. How is this done? Continues, and God's will is done when he strengthens us and keeps us steadfast in his word and in faith to the end of our earthly lives. This is his good and gracious will to keep us steadfast in the word and to keep us steadfast in our trust and faith in God. One of the purposes of our coming to God in prayer is for God through the Holy Spirit to nurture us, to reveal himself in his word, and to strengthen our confidence and faith in his faithfulness so that we walk away with a greater sense of peace and confidence. The example of Jesus in Gethsemane, I just could not leave out of this request of thy will be done. I don't know that there's any more powerful example of Jesus living out that which he was teaching his disciples than in this moment when he was essentially saying, God, I don't want to do it. But more than my not wanting to do it, more than my desire not to suffer, not to be humiliated, is my desire to do what you want. And so even though his suffering was to the point of death, he says, not my will but yours be done. And, have you, and did you notice that in the gospel reading, he doesn't do that once, but he does it three times? Now, again, I don't like repetition. It bores me. But when repetition is there, it seems to insinuate this is important. And I'm wondering if one of the things that Jesus was setting an example for for us 
is that sometimes when we're praying for God's will, we need to do it a few times. That is, sometimes when we're surrendering to God and we're asking for his will in our lives, it's sort of like what some people call the balloon prayer. Have you ever heard the balloon prayer? We give it up to God, but we don't let go of the string and we pull it back down. And then we got to give it up again. A part of me wonders if Jesus wasn't asking God through his Holy Spirit to allow, to allow his heart to align with his mind. To allow his feelings of wanting to escape, wanting to, to not have to go through what was ahead of him, to get aligned with what he understood the will of God to be. And isn't that a wonderful idea for our prayers? God, when I'm not getting it, I'm going to keep coming to you so that I can get it, so that I don't get in the way, so that you will remove those things that, that cause me to go in a di direction different than your will for my life. It's interesting because up until about 9.05 this morning, I thought I was going to be talking about submission. And then I decided to choose the, the word surrender instead. I mean, just literally after the service already started. You want to know why? Because I think you might like surrender better than submission. I think you might be more, less reluctant to, to, to have this argument against it, even though essentially they're the same thing. But we don't like the idea of submitting. But if God is king, then we submit and surrender to his will. If we ask for his kingdom to come and his will to be done, we're saying, God, you are greater and better than I. And I want you to have your way. So what is God's will for my life right now? How can I pray for God's will to be done in my life if I don't know what that will is? I mean, I can ask someone to do something if I know what it is I'm asking them to do, but how can I ask them to do it if I don't even know? That's kind of dangerous. We come and just take care of this. I don't know what the bill will be. I don't know how big the project will turn out to be. I don't know. I don't know, but just do it. But what I want to suggest is that's, brothers and sisters in Christ, precisely the point. We don't know. And yet, even not knowing the specifics of God's will, we ask for it to be done because of who God is. Not even knowing, we ask for it. Why? Because God is faithful. Because God is good. Because God loves you. And there are some things we can know about God's will. It's the gift we have in Scripture that God reveals himself. God makes his will known in his word. And I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, so I'm just going to pop through a few things because I just couldn't resist. Since God makes himself known through his word, let's look at that. The God of our ancestors, according to Acts chapter 22, verse 14, has chosen you to know his will 
and to see the righteous one and hear words from his mouth. God has chosen you to know his will. So let's stop all this stuff about I don't know God's will and I can't know. Because the Bible says God has chosen you and he will reveal his will to you. That doesn't mean it's not a daily struggle. That doesn't mean there's not a daily test. But it is God's will for us to know his will. If that's not redundant, but maybe it is. Let's listen to what it says in Romans 12, one of my favorite scriptures. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. When we, when we abide in his word, when our thinking is transformed by his word, we literally through our lives prove out the will of God, both for ourselves and for others. Listen to this. I will bless you and you will be a blessing and all the peoples of the earth will be blessed for you, through you. The first covenant God makes with his people is for us to understand something about the will of God. You want to know what God's will for you is? God's will for you is to bless the world through you. Really? Am I significant? Do I matter? How old do you feel? How past your prime do you think you are? How have things changed in recent years that may have changed your ability to influence and impact the world around you? God's will for your life is to bless others through you. Know that truth. Understand that about God's will. Listen to this. This is a tough one. Give thanks in all circumstances. I've often struggled with this one. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus, according to 1 Thessalonians 5, 18. God's will for you is to give thanks in all circumstances. How in the world... Well, there's a couple of elements to that. One is by recognizing that God is providing all things. And then also to remember when you hear that in Thessalonians, what Paul writes in Romans, which is this. We know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. We may not see it in the moment, but we're going to thank God because we know he is able to use that for our good and for the good of those whom he loves. And so again, we surrender. We submit to his will. We give thanks and live in gratitude even for the hardships and struggles. And maybe we pray with the person who came to Jesus asking for the healing of his child. I believe, that is, thank you, God, but help my unbelief, that is, I'm not sure why I'm thanking you, God. But bring gratitude into my heart, even in the midst of the struggle. God's word, for such is the will of God, that by doing right, you may silence the ignorance of foolish men. Not only might you prove what the will of God is through the way you live, not only might you be a blessing to others, but you will actually 
represent God to the world, making him known. Because God chooses to reveal himself through you, especially as we live our lives surrendered. And I want to close with this today. One of the authors that I love to read just because he's such a beautiful writer, Max Lucado, is, listen to this quote, when you submit to God's plans, submitted, then we can trust our desires. Our assignment is found at the intersection of God's plan and our pleasures. John Stott wrote, uh, God's will for your life is where the world's greatest need and your greatest desire intersect. So don't think surrender just means suffering. Don't think that submission to God just means hardship. God's desire is to bless you and to bless others through you. So how do we discern his will? Where the world's greatest need and our greatest desire intersect. Perhaps we're going to need to get a Bible study more deeply on the will of God. But let us remember when we pray, we're asking God to have his way. And in it, we and our world are deeply blessed. Thanks be to God. Amen.